0: welcome to today's episode of empowered a perfectionist guide to imperfection hosted by me miranda lee it's time to take back control of our lives and it's time to write our own story remember you are enough you are worthy and you are loved let's dive in Hey guys, welcome back. So today I talk with Enneagram life coach, Callie Ammons. We talk about all different types of Enneagrams and we dive deep into more specifically type one, which is the perfectionist. And we also talk about how important it is to know your Enneagram so you can really understand yourself and grow as a person. But before we started, I just wanna say, if you are not on my email list, Click the link in the show notes so you can join. This way you can get updates on new episodes, receive freebies, and also be the first to know about upcoming programs and courses. All right, so I'm super excited to learn more about Enneagrams. So let's get started. Hi, Callie. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you.
1: I'm so excited to chat with you too, Miranda. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so introduce yourself. Tell my listeners you know, what you do and what your business is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I am, Callie Ammons is my name. I'm an Enneagram life coach. And if you've never heard of the Enneagram, it's okay, Miranda and I are gonna talk about it and break it down. But basically, I just help my clients figure out why they do what they do in life understanding their internal world and their motivation, and I help them experience success in whatever ways they want to experience success. So that could be learning how to talk to their spouse better, how to not get annoyed, how to um, pursue their career and figure out what they're actually passionate about. Our personality really plays a huge role in everything we do. And so I help my clients with that. Um, I have a podcast, a YouTube channel, and I sell online courses as well that complement the Enneagram and help you understand yourself.
0: Awesome. Okay, so let's go into the basics of Enneagrams. Um, so if I were to explain Enneagrams, I'd say it's the personality test with the numbers one through nine. Yeah, that's <laughs> where my knowledge stops. So yeah, take it away.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. So The word sounds kind of weird. I feel like that already like throws people off where it's like Ennio what? So it's Enneagram and it just means nine points on a graph in Greek is what that comes from. So if you've ever seen the Enneagram symbol, it's a circle and you'll see the numbers one through nine like Miranda just said. But then you see these weird lines on the graph, like connecting to other numbers. And it kind of looks confusing where you're like, well, what is even happening? But what that graph is showing us is just the nine different personalities and the lines that one number is connecting to. So each number will connect to two other numbers and that's showing you the numbers you connect to when you're healthy and unhealthy. And I'll kind of get into that further, but that's actually why I love the Enneagram is it's so much more than just saying like, Kelly, you're outgoing and Miranda, you love helping people but it's telling you like why and it can tell you how sometimes you look unhealthy and sometimes you're healthy in your life and understanding that like wow i'm living in stress in my unhealthy space right now that's what's empowering is because the enneagram gives you practical things to do to get back on a healthy path so enneagram nine points on a graph numbers one through nine And if you're hearing that and thinking like, how are there only nine different types of people in the world? Don't worry. There's not like, it's so complex within each type that we're all so different. So each of us will resonate with one Enneagram type, meaning it's like the core motivation we connect with. And if you guys want to hear like more details about this, I have a podcast episode, episode 61 that really goes in depth with this. That's a great free resource to just go listen to, but I'll kind of hit on it here with Miranda a little bit. So the type one is called the perfectionist. That's the title it has. But this person's core motivation is just to be good and right in life. Um, They have like this moral compass. So let's say a type one walks into the kitchen and it's like a mess. They would probably feel guilty, like walking out and leaving it that way, or like not taking care of the trash. Or you see someone doing something like ethically wrong at work. You would probably feel guilty just like shoving that under the table and moving on. So type ones are in general, very disciplined. Um, they're incredible leaders because of this moral compass and just this desire to do things right and with excellence. So that's the perfectionist. And remember, this is like a very quick overview. There's so much more that goes into this. Then the type two is called the helper. And this person has a fear of being unwanted or unloved from people in their life or just that they're not worthy of love. And so they're called the helper because they're really good at serving and doing things for people my mom is a type two. So she's like always having people over. She's super hospitable. Like I can call her at any time and know she's going to pick up and talk to me, but it comes from that core desire of wanting to be loved and wanted. So that's why they serve and they help so much because they believe if they're really faithful to people, they're always doing things, then people will love them in return. Um, So you can see how like out of all of the core fears that we all subconsciously run away from, it's kind of sad. Like if we're all operating from that, you know, with the type two, it's like, Oh my goodness. Like, of course you're loved or the type one. It's like, you don't have to be perfect. It's okay. If you don't do things to a perfect standard, but it's really this desire within each of us. Um, and I should have said this to Miranda. So you will figure out your type by connecting with this core fear. Like you'll hear these and you might see yourself sometimes experiencing it, but there's going to be one fear that you really operate from all the time. And it's subconscious. Like you're not intentionally being like, okay, I'm scared. People aren't going to love me or want me. Like you don't realize that's how you're operating. Okay, the type three. So this is my Enneagram type. This is called the achiever. And their core fear is being seen as unsuccessful or that they're not efficient enough. They're not adding enough value to the world. And so what we see from threes, they constantly are achieving and trying to look successful and can really put on these different personas out of um, trying to earn respect from people and being admired from others. So again, you can see how that can be healthy and unhealthy. Type four is called the individualist this individual experiences a wide range of emotions, like highs and lows. So their biggest fear is being seen as like flawed. They're not special. They're not unique. And something's just kind of messed up with them. So they might look at other people and be like, Oh, like they're such good entrepreneurs, or she's an incredible mom, or they just have the best family. But like, I could never have that. They literally feel like almost like God messed up with them. Like something's just a little off in them. So their biggest desire is to be unique. They want to just be special. Um, They want to be loved and they want to know that they're loved for who they are and their own unique, special self. Type five. So this is my husband's type. This is called the thinker or investigator. They love knowledge because their core fear is being seen as incompetent or being depleted of energy and they get energy from knowledge. So the type fives are usually sorry about that. The type fives are usually um, more introspective. They're quiet, they're reserved, and they really get recharged by being alone and by researching. And so you'll see that they can spend a lot of alone time and isolate themselves. And people kind of wonder like what is going on with them, which is why they're called the thinker or investigator because they kind of take a back seat and they're always observing. They're thinking they're very much so in their head because that's where they find security and also gain more energy. Okay. The type six, this is called the loyalist. And this is the most common Enneagram type actually in the United States, which is just an interesting, fun fact. Um, so their core fear is fear itself. So what you see in a type six is they constantly play through worst case scenario thinking, and they're doing this out of trying to protect themselves of like, what happens if I get in a car wreck? And then they run through that of like, what would they do? How would they respond? And so people can really be intimidated by type sixes when you actually hear their fears because it's like, oh my gosh, like, why do you have those thoughts? Or why are you thinking about dying all the time? But it's just their subconscious trying to protect themselves. So they have the name, the loyalist, because they are very loyal to other people. And it comes from a place of similar to a type two where they're scared they're going to be abandoned. They don't want people to leave them. And so they're very loyal to others so that in return, they'll have loyalty from other people and kind of this tight knit group of individuals. Um, Type sixes also can like struggle to make decisions out of that fear. Like they don't want to mess up. They don't want to do the wrong thing. So if they talk to like their group of friends or their family or all the people they're loyal to, and they make a group decision, now, if the decision goes bad, it's not on them, but it's on the whole group. So that's why they're the loyalist. Okay. Type sevens. This is the enthusiast. So type sevens, their biggest fear is being unhappy, not being satisfied in life. And so what we see is this personality type is kind of all or nothing, I shouldn't say kind of, they are all or nothing and they're very adventurous. They have high energy. So it's like, you know, if they're going out to eat, they're going to eat all the foods. If they're going to go out to get something to drink, they're going to try all the drinks. They're going to go on a trip and it's going to be like the best trip ever. And they're going to do all the epic things. And they just have like this fun energy because they're seeking this satisfaction and this happiness in life. And again, with all these, you can see how that can be so positive and then also so unhealthy. Um, And we can explain that more. But it comes from that core fear of wanting to be satisfied. They really do not like boring, mundane tasks whatsoever. Okay, type eights. This is called the challenger. And I feel like this is the most like obvious type. Whenever I describe this, people are like, oh my gosh, I can think of this one person in my life. So type eights are very dominant, domineering personality types, but it comes from a core fear of being scared that they're going to be taken advantage of. They can't trust someone, they're going to be betrayed or that they don't have control. So they put up this very blunt front in order to gain control and they speak their mind. So if they don't like the way you're doing something, like they're just going to say it as it is. And everyone else in the room is kind of like, Oh my gosh, did they just say that? But they just see it as they're being honest. They're telling you how it is. And they're just, they're going to put it out there on the table. Um, They're very expressive. They can have anger, but it's really coming from that wound or that place of trying to gain back control or a fear of being betrayed or taken advantage of in that moment. Okay. Type nines. This is the last one. So this is called the peacemaker. Type nines are afraid of conflict or tension. And yes, this can be like conflict with another person, a legitimate argument, but it could also be tension or conflict within themselves. So if they're struggling to find an answer of like what they want to do or what they're passionate about or a decision they should make in life, that can really create um, a lot of stress within them because they're feeling conflict and tension just within themselves and that drives them insane. And so they have the name The Peacemaker because they are very good at creating peace They're good at breeding calm to environments, but this can also be unhealthy because they can just kind of shove down conflict or act like a problem isn't happening in order to create peace. But it's really a false sense of peace, right? Like if there's actually an issue there and it's not being dealt with. So those are the nine types. And. How you figure out your type is only you can figure it out because I can't tell Miranda what's inside of her. So she could have high energy like a seven, but type threes and ones can also have high energy. And so can eights. So like externally, you might look like a type, but it's all about internally. What's your core motivation? What's that fear that's kind of driving you and how do you operate? And it feels weird. Like we should just know those answers, but all of us like probably have not thought of those things and we haven't really observed ourselves. And it's, you, it's weird to think about like trying to get to know yourself deeper. Cause you're like, I've always been with myself, but you really have to, and you have to kind of dig deep to figure out these answers and to observe yourself of like, huh, why did I just get annoyed at my spouse? Or why do I feel so offended at what this person said and really getting to the root of that core motivation? So Miranda and I were actually talking about this before we hit record. Um, she was telling me that she had taken a test. And there's so many tests out there on the internet you guys can take to figure out your type. If you take a test, I just want you to keep in mind they're only 60 to 80 percent accurate. So I was telling Miranda when I first took a test, I typed as a type seven. Then I typed as an eight and I think I typed as an eight because I want to be better at conflict. <laughs> so I was answering the questions as if I was good at conflict and I'm like, no, I hate conflict and I'm actually a type three, but I, it's like, there's just faults in the test because it's hard for us to answer truthfully about ourselves. That's part of it. Um, But when you take the test, it's a great indicator of like the top numbers they give you of a place to start. So I typed as a seven, eight, and then a three. So those three numbers, if I were coaching myself, I'd be like, okay, Callie, go research and learn more about the seven the eight and the three and really get to the root of those types and try to understand it to see which one you resonate more with. So you can like read a book about the nine Enneagram types. The Road Back to You is a great book. You can listen to podcasts. That's my favorite because you can listen to like interviews with other people and really hear people's stories and be like, oh my gosh, that's how I think. Or you'll be like, I have never had that thought in my life. Like I have no idea what they're talking about. Um but you're the one to determine your type. And there's no timeline. Some people figure it out the day they start researching some incredible people who are like coaches today. It took them like six years to figure out their type. And there's, there's no right answer. It's just a fun journey you get to go on. So sorry, that was a lot. I'll let you take the floor, Miranda.
0: Oh no, you're good. It's just, it's so interesting. Um, like hearing you say that, because that's kind of a thought that I've had in my mind when I have taken personality tests It's like, am I answering truthfully, or am I answering what I think I should answer, or how I think other people view me? Like exactly, especially when it's not like a yes or no answer. When it's like, on a scale of one to five, I'm like. Oh my gosh. Uh, Yeah.
1: And it's like, and I could be, I feel like with the test, I would often be like, well, it depends on the situation. Cause like at work, I might be at work. I can actually handle conflict really well, like in a professional setting, but at home, like it is harder with me, with my husband, it's easier for me just to kind of like brush it past and move on. So yeah, tests are hard and it's, it's because it's trying to get to the internal world of a person and no test can ask all the right questions, Mm -hmm. you know, cause we're so complex as humans.
0: Yeah. And it's good to know that, like, like you said, they're only like 60 to 80, 90% accurate because I'm sure what people take, have taken the test more than one time or tried it on, you know, different, different websites, they've gotten different answers. So, I mean, that's a good point that only, only we can, only we can figure it out. Yeah. So I, I took the test, um, before, you know, talking to you. So, yeah, no, I, so when I did it, it has percentages. So when you were explaining it, I'm trying to, which one did you say you were? I'm a type three, the achiever. Okay. Um, okay. That was, that was in my top three. Cause when you were explaining them all, I'm like, that is definitely me. I have to be, you know, super productive. Like I want to be seen as like successful and admired by others. Um, so when I took the test, I got 98% for, for one, the perfectionist, and then ninety-eight percent for eight, which was the challenger, and that was when you were describing that one. I'm not gonna lie, it sounded pretty negative when you were describing it, and I was like, "But dang, that's me. I'm the blunt person. I'm the person who says something, and everyone in the room's like." Dang. Yeah. Did
1: she just say that? <laughs> but there's so many positive things I could say about eights as well. Like every time we could go through the negatives and the positives, like eights are such incredible leaders. Like they think Martin Luther King Jr. would have been a type eight because when they have a good cause to go after, it's like you guys can go in places that would scare other people to even step foot in, but you do it and you learn, this is where it's so cool with the Enneagram, when you learn your healthy path, you do it in such like a gentle, caring way, but also in a bold way that you're leading people. So every single type is so incredible when they're healthy and every single type is so scary scary to be around when they're unhealthy. (laughs) So yeah, it's equal for all of them.
0: So then like, how do you, So like based off of my test, I have, you know, two that are 98% and then, you know, one is 92%. That was type three, the achiever. So you're saying that I should just focus on one. Like once I find that one, I basically base everything off the one. It's not like having a top three or having like a combination. It's picking that one. Yeah,
1: exactly. So you'll have one Enneagram type period. That's it. That's your main type. Now there are things that start to add on to it. Once you figure out your main type, then you'll learn about your Enneagram wings. And those are the two numbers that surround your type. So I'm a type three. So that means my wings are a two and a four. So a three wing two, so remember that's the achiever and the helper, a three wing two is going to look way more bubbly. They enjoy taking care of people, talking to them, connecting with them, really helping and serving them where the four, the individualists, if you guys remember that they're kind of wider range of emotions, they kind of feel flawed. They're a little bit more reserved than like a type two. So a three wing four, you're going to see this combination of like, yes, this person being ambitious, but also kind of retreating and being in their head and maybe struggling with different insecurities, but also maybe being more professional and more creative versus a three wing two. So the wings start to add a whole flavor and a whole new combination to your type. But first you figure out your type, then you learn your wings. And the cool thing with your wings is you can grow in that. So I'm primarily a three wing two, like. To the T, that's me, but I've really been working on exercising my four wing because there's so many areas I can grow in by being a little quieter, by taking a step back, by learning how to access my creativity in a different way. And so you can grow in that, which is what's so cool. It's not just like, oh, you're doomed to your personality, but you learn how to exercise that. So then once you figure out your wings and you also know your main type, how I mentioned the different lines on the graph, which is kind of where the confusion can come in. Cause it's like, wait, I'm connected to three numbers. So that's what you look like in health and unhealth. So me as a type three, my numbers that I connect to is a type six and a type nine. So when I'm unhealthy, I can actually look like a type nine or parts of a type nine. When I'm healthy, I can look like parts of the six and you start to learn this about your type. So you can see how connected the Enneagram is as a whole, just by talking about wings and the the types that you're connected to in health and unhealth. But there's even like more layers that go into it. But that's kind of the stepping stones is like figure out your type, learn about the wings, start learning about your type in health and unhealth. And Miranda, I totally recommend like learning about all nine types. I don't ever want to overwhelm people. So I say, yes, like figure out your type, research that. But the more you do understand all nine types, you start to have compassion and empathy for the people in your life by being like, Whoa, that's how, like, that's how my husband thinks. I had no idea he had limited energy as a five. That was like, so eye-opening for us. And for him to learn about the three, he's like, Oh my gosh, that's why you're doing things 24 seven. Like I had no idea. And it's given us like a language. So learning about all nine types gives you empathy and compassion, but it does also help you learn how to become healthier and see the good parts in all nine types. But yeah, you'll, you'll primarily resonate with one type.
0: Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. That's definitely a a journey that, um, I think at least for me, is not going to take one day, but, oh gosh, no, but I mean, but you do make a good point that taking the test will at least narrow it down. Like, yeah, when I did it, it said, I'm definitely not, I'm definitely not the peacemaker. That was like my last one. (laughs) It was a no for me.
1: (laughs) Oh, that is so funny. Yeah.
0: Hey guys, so I'm really enjoying this conversation, but quick break to talk about my services. So for those of you who don't know, or you do know, I am a health and lifestyle coach, and my focus is on nutrition, confidence, and self-love. As someone who struggled with extreme dieting and intense workouts for many, many years, I know the pain. I want to help others find peace and love their bodies and heal their relationship with food. So if you are interested in my coaching services, I do offer free discovery calls to see if we are a good match. So you can go on the link that's in my show notes or in my Instagram bio to sign up. Alrighty, let's get back to the show.
1: I feel like too, with with this whole journey with the Enneagram, like if someone's just wanting to figure out their type to kind of understand like what the memes mean on Instagram or to be able to like tell people in a social setting when they're talking about the Enneagram your type, If that's all you're wanting to know your type for, I literally tell people like just make it up then. Like it doesn't matter. Like the Enneagram is about a really deep journey to understand yourself and to become healthier and to do the deep work to become healthier. And so it's not just this like fun quiz, figure out your personality type. It's like no, it's a really deep journey. And so, and I tell people that up front. It's like it's okay if it's not for you or it's not something you want to pursue in this season. But if you're someone who wants to grow themselves, absolutely go on the journey.
0: Yeah, and I think it's great to understand, like, like you said, what your significant other's enneagram type is. Oh my gosh, yeah, like I game changer. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm pretty sure my husband would probably be the peacemaker. I need to have him take this test, but wow. um, uh, yeah, and like knowing your your friends, and I think it's funny because I, I t- like I told you before, um, we started recording that I had my parents take this test as yeah. well, and my parents also have taken the Myers Briggs. Yes. And my, my dad and I have the exact same Myers-Briggs. Like people always say that me and him are like the same person. Wow. But then I thought it was funny because when we all took the Enneagram test, me and my mom had the same top three. Wow. And it, my mom's more of an introvert. Hmm. Um, Very, um, I don't know, just very different from how I originally would thought how me and my dad are, but then like looking at it, it, it kind of makes sense. Like the, the perfectionist and, you know, the achievement um, and like the challenger part of it. So I thought that was really interesting because I would just assume that me and my mom had very different personality types, but I think how me and her both um, handle conflict and how our healthy and unhealthy states are like, that totally makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting too how, so like type one, three and eights can really be common mistypes. Like I, for a while battled between like, am I a type one or a type three? Because I do have like this moral compass and I have this high drive for excellence and like the house being dirty or anything drives me crazy. But that's where it's so cool of like going back to the core motivation of like, okay, a type one is going to clean because of like, I keep using cleaning as an example. It could be anything that they're just doing to a standard, um, out of this desire to like do it right to do it with excellence because they would feel guilty like they're wrong they're going to be depleted they're just going to be like struck down by lightning if they don't do the right thing where three they're going to keep it like I keep my house super clean I have a very high standard for myself but I do it for the sake of success it's like I want to be successful to myself and I think that's what success is is like all these little rules I've made and I want to be successful in other people's eyes and then at eight they want control they want to control their environment and so maybe they have this high drive because of that. And so it's really interesting how different personalities on the Enneagram type really can be common mistypes because it's so similar externally, like they almost can look like the same person, but it's really observing yourself to figure out like, why do I care about this? Or why do I get annoyed? Or why do I snap at people this way? And getting to the root of that.
0: That's so, yeah, that's so interesting. Like hearing you talk about it, I definitely think that that I'm probably more of an eight. I would have assumed that I was more of a one, you know, the perfectionist, but like, I have the same thing, like with cleaning, like my house needs to be clean. But like you said, it's all about, it's all about the motivation. And like, in my head, I feel like if I don't clean, like if I don't do the dishes before I go to bed, then I'm going to be a slob for the rest of my life because i i gave like one excuse not to not to wow. do something and something my yeah, husband's yeah. never understood he's like just do the dishes in the morning and you're like
1: i can't like you literally can't
0: yeah, yeah. i'm like i literally can't because what if this is like what if this is a straw that makes it that breaks the camel's back and now i'm a slob and he's like but you clean everything every day <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, but if I stop that now, then I won't be a clean person. And he's wow. just like, he's like, whatever, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so crazy. Like when you get to the root of it. And it feels eye-opening that it's like, wait, other people don't have that standard. Like, you're not scared. The straw's just gonna snap, and that's it. Yeah. Like that was eye-opening to me. Like, I didn't realize the world didn't think the same way I thought. I was so confused. I'm like, everyone's not trying to be successful. It's like, what? <laughs> my husband's like, no, <laughs> like, that's you.
0: Yeah. That's the same thing with me and my husband. I'll be like, we didn't do anything productive today. He's like, well, we hung out and we rested or, or you did this or you did that. And I'm like, no, like that wasn't productive enough. Or like he'll ask when he asked me, oh, what did you do today? I see it as, all right, I have to name everything productive that I did. Right.
1: Here's my to-do list with all the
0: checks. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, wow, like you've had a busy day where I feel like if I would have just said, oh, you know, I went shopping and I hung out he would still be like, oh, cool. That sounds like a good day. I mean, I think he'll be like, you weren't good enough. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's funny you say it's all like the motivation behind, but something that you did mention earlier that I definitely want to repeat is that you use your, your personality type, like to make yourself better. I, I really dislike when people blame their flaws or their flaws or their these character traits that they have on their personality type yeah. and they're like, "Well, I'm just like this because I'm a blank or because right. this and I'm just oh man, that just kind of irks me. Like, no, that's just a weakness that you need that you need to work on." And I think knowing your your enneagram type probably really helps you work on those weaknesses. Oh
1: my gosh, yeah. I couldn't agree more with you and that's something I teach my clients. It's like Yes, the Enneagram shows you maybe what you're prone to, but if you're, if you're using that as an excuse or you're staying stuck in that, like you're unhealthy. And that's the opposite purpose of the Enneagram is it's supposed to move you toward growth and wholeness, which for me, like my faith is a huge part in this. So it's like, if I'm using excuses or living in these unhealthy patterns, like I'm not being submissive to the Lord, I'm not having a spirit of self-discipline or self-control like I can in Christ. And that is a massive deal. And so like threes, here's one of our themes, um, it is really easy for Type Threes to be a workaholic because we find success in what we do, and so you can get so wrapped up in work. And that used to be a really big struggle for me was to rest, even just to take like one day off of like doing no work, and kind of like the whole productivity theme. Like I have that in my head too, where it's just like, oh my gosh, like I I have to be productive twenty four seven, and I feel guilty if I even just like sit for a second. And that's very toxic, very unhealthy thinking. And that took a lot of work for me to really work on that, and I still am, but. I do take a day off every single week, full day, and it's so great, but I've had to do a lot of work to get to that point, but it would have been easier to just be like, Oh, I'm a type three. I just love work. And to use that as an excuse, but that's not, the life the Lord calls me to. In fact, it's very biblical that it's very important to take rest and to learn how to do that. And if I'm finding my identity and what I do, that's going to lead down a path of destruction. And so you can break out of that cycle. And that's what the goal of the Enneagram is, is it's exposing you to these blind spots, these lies, these fears that you operate out of. And it's like, Hey, there's a better way. Like, yes, this is natural for you, but it doesn't have to be. And here's how to change your habits, your patterns so that you become more Christ-like.
0: I love that, and I love that you bring up um, your faith. So, I guess how do like how do you integrate your faith and the gospel in with the enneagrams and, and your coaching and enneagram types? Because I think that's like that's such a specific niche, and I think that's so awesome. So, how do you yeah. how do you put all those together?
1: Yeah. Well, first thing, like the Enneagram does not replace like the Bible, God's word, anything like that. And so I really try to direct my clients, my students, anyone I have the privilege of working with or any content I produce that it's like we have to go to scripture. And whether you choose to study Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram or any other personality assessment. That's great. If your heart is to learn and grow and to draw closer to God, like that's my goal. And the Enneagram is just a tool. I do believe God gave each of us very unique personalities. Like I believe he chose me to be a type three and that I have the gift of achieving things. I have very high energy and I'm to use that for the kingdom. A type nine has the gift of bringing peace and being able to understand other people's perspectives and really bring peace to a a high tension or conflict environment. And when they're healthy, they can do that in a very strategic way. And I believe when we're living in our personalities and owning that, instead of trying to like change who we are, like, if I'm trying to be like my husband as a type five, or I'm trying to make him be like a type three, like we're wrong. I should be empowering him to be who God made him to be and vice versa. And when we're doing that, I really see it as the picture of the body of Christ. It's like, we are standing in the gifts that he called us to live in. We're bringing value to the world because those things come naturally to me, when I'm like just being myself, right? It comes natural to my husband to just think and investigate because that's who he is. And it's so cool to see how that really is a gift to the world when you bring those gifts. Um, So that's really how I see it. And when you're using the Enneagram, so how I've mentioned like the healthy path and unhealthy path. I really believe it shows me what I look like when I'm living in alignment with the gospel versus out of alignment. So if I'm in my unhealthy to average path, I'm not living by the spirit. Like I'm living in my flesh in that moment. And it's nothing to condemn yourself because we're humans. It happens throughout the day. It's not like you hit this point in your life where you're like, yes, like I'm always a healthy Enneagram three. Like, no, I can be healthy and have like a moment where I get bad news or I go through something hard. And I start going to my stress path, but that's like a red flag of being like, hold up. I'm not a slave to this. Like I have freedom in Christ. What's going on here? Why do I feel so attacked? Okay. I'm finding my value in the way my house looks and my husband didn't compliment it. And so now I'm feeling offended. I'm like, he doesn't love me, but is that truth? And now I have these tools to walk through with the Holy spirit. I believe of like getting back to truth in the moment of like experiencing unhealth. And instead of just being like, my husband hates me because he didn't compliment me and being like annoyed and letting that affect my day. Now I have tools to get back on track, back in alignment with the gospel and really allow allow my identity to be wrapped back up in him rather than this core fear of being unsuccessful or not valuable in people's eyes. And it's such a difference. Like you can feel such a difference, which um, lane you're operating out of. So that's how I believe it connects to our faith.
0: Wow. I, lo- I love that. That's, that's such a good point. And in hearing you talk about that, it kind of makes me think like, If you would ask me 10 minutes ago, I would, I'd want to ask you, do we, do we have the same personality um, type, the same number our entire life or not? And I think I would have assumed, no, that maybe when we were younger, we don't, but then, and then, you know, just thinking about myself and my childhood and who I am now just makes me think, no, I think I did have the same number, the same personality type, but I was living it in an unhealthy way.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's yeah. That's what I teach is like, you're born as a type and that's your type forever. But like, if I'm unhealthy, I look like a nine, like I don't even look like a three or if I'm healthy, I can look like a six or maybe you use one more wing than the other. So like, there's all these layers that can kind of bring confusion of like what your actual type is. But I agree. It's like, when I look back to my childhood, I totally see the core fear of the three in my childhood. And of course, like trauma experiences, your influence, like everything can shape who you are. And as adults, like sometimes we're just trying to get back to the roots of who we are, where it's like, wait, what do I actually care about? Who am I before I was influenced or corrupted by the world? But yeah, I totally believe you're born as a type and just the influence of the world and our experiences can kind of bring confusion of that type. But I think we can strip it down and get back to the core of who we are.
0: So how do you figure out what personality type you are when you're unhealthy? So I'm like looking at mine. So if I'm like, let's just assume that an eight is what my personality type is for me being healthy versus unhealthy. Would I be something like unhealthy that I'm similar to, or would it be something that's like really far off?
1: Yeah. So this is where it's helpful. Like why I say to keep researching the nine different types, because when you like, let's say you read a book about the Enneagram, the road back to you, the chapter on the type eight is going to teach you what the eight looks like in health versus health. And even as you read through those descriptions and go through online types, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, that's what I look like. So an eight is actually connected to the type two and the type five. And so you could be like, wow. Wow. I totally start operating out of this place of like fear and retreating and kind of just wanting knowledge. And I can be more like hasteful and just kind of snippy at people. Um, That's where the research really comes in is it's not like a quick answer of like, you'll see this behavior and this behavior, but you start to understand the full picture of what an eight would look like in health and unhealth. And if someone is in an unhealthy season and like, you know, you're in a season of like struggling That's okay. Maybe your focus isn't like, I have to figure out my Enneagram type right now, but your focus is like, how do I spend more time in the word? How do I ask myself questions to figure out like, what's actually going on? Like, why am I struggling to get out of bed? Why am I struggling to get in the word? Why am I struggling to talk to community and just keep trying to like get to a healthier place, like day by day, slow steps. And as you get to a more whole and complete place. Like you might be in a better headspace to figure out your Enneagram type. Like I think if I would have tried to figure out my type, um, in my early, early twenties, like late teen years, I don't think I would have been able to figure it out because as a three, I was so unhealthy and being so many different personas and people that I felt like I had 20 personalities depending on what friend group I was with. And so I personally had to do some work to get healthy in order to figure that out.
0: So this might be a really dumb question, but I'm thinking it what personality type do you think Jesus would have been?
1: Oh my gosh, people have asked that. And I heard another Enneagram teacher answer this way. And I totally agree with him. I think he's all nine types. Like, I literally think you see the perfectionistic characteristics in him, the helper, the achiever, individualist, like all of it. And that's the cool thing is like, he holds all of that. And then he puts pieces of his image within each of us.
0: Oh, I love that. That's such such a good answer. That's that's great. Cause yeah, he's, he's all nine and we're just, you know, we're made in his image. So we're just exactly. that.
1: Yeah. I totally think that's what it is because when we're all healthy, like you do see the heart of God in that, like all of it, he's a peacemaker. He can challenge, right? Like he is a challenger and he holds a standard of truth and he does enjoy satisfaction and happiness and adventure. Like you
0: can just go through the whole list and see it. Man, that's, yeah. That's crazy. Cause you know, if he, he is, Jesus is perfect. So, mm-hmm. you know, to, to look at the personality types, like each one has their flaws. So he's just the perfect version of, of all nine types, all wrapped in the one. Totally. Man, that must be nice.
1: <laughs> yeah. I know when we get to heaven, then we can all, all be whole and complete. Right. <laughs>
0: exactly. I love it. All right. Let's talk about, um, personality type one, the perfectionist. A little deeper because my podcast is called perfectionist guide to imperfection. And I do feel like um, perfectionism is something that so many people struggle with. And, you know, even if they aren't exactly um, a personality type one, I'm sure a lot of people can can relate to it. So I guess talk about some of the like strengths and weaknesses of personality type one.
1: Totally. Yeah, I agree. I think like perfectionism can be in like any human and it just goes back to that motivation of like, why do I as a three want to be perfect, you know, or why do you as an eight, if you are an eight want to be perfect, but I love that. That is the name of your podcast. Like that is so awesome. Um, Yeah. So I think some of the strengths really is the standard for excellence and detail. Like I think of the type ones in my life and just how they like, don't forget anything. Like they're incredible wedding planners. They're incredible with like lists, details, managing their homes, taking care of their work. And they keep other people at a really high level um, just for standard of excellence, which I really do believe that is the heart of God in everything we do, like working unto the Lord uh, for him unto, wow. Why am I butchering this verse working unto the Lord? Why am I butchering this? What is that verse?
0: You got it's because you're not a type one. You're not a perfectionist.
1: It's working for him and not for me. Is what I'm trying to say. But wow, there I cannot are. remember that verse word for word. Yeah, type ones, you can message me and send me the reference and correct me. <laughs> it is funny on Instagram. Like if I ever have typos or something, type ones will message me. They're like, "Sorry, I'm a type one, and I have to correct you." And I'm like, "Thank you for that. I appreciate it." <laughs> But it, it's that example that it's like they have such a standard for excellence in detail and it's second nature to them where other types or other individuals who maybe don't have that standard. It's not that they're trying to slack. They just don't even see the mistake. And I think one of my old bosses probably would have been a type one, definitely has perfectionistic uh, tendencies. And he really did teach me to have an eye for detail that I didn't naturally have, but he helped me to see things when I, I used to manage a Starbucks store. So when I would walk into my store, like I could just see something that was crooked on the shelf that I wouldn't have noticed before. And he would just help me really analyze the place. So I think that's a strength now weakness as becoming overcritical. So type ones, like the actual Enneagram type has an inner critic in their head. And that critic is really hard on them. And also other people just pointing out constant flaws. And that's the work type ones have to do is really listening to the voice of the Holy spirit over the critic. And that can be challenging because it might just come out of their mouth. Like they might correct their spouse or their child in a really harsh way. And it can come across to other people. Like I'm never good enough. I can't live up to this person's standards and it can just be really defeating. So I think there is a balance and some wisdom and tact that type ones have to use or anyone who has perfectionistic tendencies to really think through like, okay, how do I help these people have a standard of excellence? But how do I also not like hold a whip to them or make them feel like they're never good enough and just defeat them, but really making sure they're creating space to affirm those around them, to appreciate what they are doing and give people space to grow and to evolve as a human because your standard is really high and it's great that you have that standard, but some people may not be capable of achieving your standard today. So let them keep evolving.
0: Yeah, that, that makes me really... Relate to the perfectionist. Like I said, I got 98% for eight and one. And it's something that I've struggled with that I have really high expectations for myself, but for other people too. And I've had yeah. people tell me that my expectations are too high for my friends or for family members. And it's like, well, I expect what the same that I give, you know, mm-hmm. so that can be, that can be really hard. So like, what are your tips for perfectionists who, need to bring their expectation down with themselves and with others.
1: Okay. This story's kind of silly, but this visual literally has helped me with this. So I'm going to give it to you guys too, so that this can pop in your head. So I drove like a 2003 Honda Civic for like several years. Like we just replaced our car this past year and upgraded to a nicer one, but this little car was so cute, but it struggled to go fast on the highway. Like it took forever just to get up to 60 miles an hour. And I could like hit the gas pedal as hard as I wanted. And it was just like the, the, the like took forever And one time I'm getting on the highway, I'm actually late somewhere. So like, I'm wishing my car would go faster. I'm like, this is so annoying, but I'm like, you know, full on going as hard as I can. And it's like 30 miles, 35, 40. And this guy on the on-ramp, like there wasn't even two lanes. It was one lane, but like on like the bumper, um, the bumpers, like literally drove over it and flips me off. And he's like yelling at me because of how slow I'm going. Like he's annoyed. (laughs) And in that moment, I looked at him, just kind of smiled. And in my head, I thought like, dude, I'm annoyed at my car too. Like, I'm so sorry. It's physically not capable of going faster. And I wish it could. And that's annoying to me as well. And in that moment, the Lord was like, Callie, and that's you with other people. And I like scratched my head. I'm literally like, I'm sorry, Lord, like what? And he's like, that's you. Like you have high energy. You love to achieve things. You like having 30 things on your plate and you actually thrive with that. And you're the guy flying past people, getting annoyed at them for not keeping up with you. And you're wrong because they are not capable of doing that. And I I was like in my car, like driving on the highway, like in tears, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Because being in that seat, I like felt embarrassed. I felt sorry. I wanted to like explain myself to the dude of like, I'm so sorry about my car. Like, I wish it could go fast too. But I'm like, wow, I probably make other people feel that way every single day. where like, they feel bad. So like my husband, he's even told me that he's like, I feel bad that like, I can't do all the things you do throughout the day. And it like drains me. And I'm like, that is so sad. Like he shouldn't feel bad for who he is. And I shouldn't feel bad for who I am because God made him. In a very specific way. In fact, my husband's taught me how to slow down and rest. And that's a gift that he's brought to our family, because we would probably be very unhealthy if I were just like full force doing my thing. And anyway, so that visual, when I like have expectations for people as well, and it's like, gosh, why can't they keep up? Or why aren't they faster? Why are they so slow? Or why did they not clean up the kitchen the way I would? It's like that picture of, it's not that I'm better, but it's like, stop expecting people to be to my standard because I'm not God. And why, why should I expect someone to live up to these rules and expectations? Callie's made up when that's not what the Lord's calling them to do. And they may not be capable and that's okay that they're not capable to do the thing. Because guess what? There's other things in life I'm not capable to do that could frustrate other people as well. And we're all on a journey of growth. And so just giving people grace and compassion and also releasing that and letting it'd be okay that you're a little different than other people, but quit trying to force them to be like you. So that visual literally pops in my head all the time of my little Honda, like just going so slow. And I'm just like, it makes me smile in the moment when I'm annoyed at someone. And I'm like, that's right. Okay. It's okay. Like I can give them space and time to get up to speed to where they're supposed to go in their
0: lane. And I can relate to that on two levels. One, I have a Honda Civic, so I know. Yes! Never- <laughs> The Honda's are great. They're reliable, but man, you just you got the pedal all the way down to the floor, and it stopped taking its <laughs> sweet time. But then I, I relate to that too because I I feel like I'm always go go go, trying my best, and it's like it's it's unfair to expect the same from others when it's yeah. that's not what their gift is, and that's not what you know they strive to do or what they're capable of.
1: Yeah. And sometimes Miranda, like, this is what's humbling to me is like, we're wrong. Like, I will think I'm right because I'm so productive. I'm getting everything done, but it's like, what if God literally wants you and I to go to bed without doing the dishes just to prove that like we're not controlled or finding our identity and what we do and it's like my husband said that to me one night he's like what if like you just released it because your identity isn't in it and it doesn't mean that you should like be lazy not take care of your house that's not the point I'm talking to people who are high achievers that would literally feel guilty leaving that and it's like yeah, just because we have this high standard doesn't mean we're right. And for me, that's like really hard to swallow, where it's like, oh, I thought like the more efficient, productive person was right. <laughs> and it's like, maybe not. And it goes back to that motivation of like, why am I doing this? And if my identity is wrapped up in this, like I could actually be sinning while doing something quote unquote productive. But the Lord doesn't care about the thing we're doing, He cares about our heart position. And that's, yeah, that's massive.
0: Mm, I love that. It's, it's so good. God just cares about our heart. And if there was like one personality type, like one Enneagram number that was right, you know, first of all, God Jesus would have been that Enneagram number. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it would there would only be like one successful Enneagram type and there's and there's not. There's yeah. successful people on all levels of the of the scale one to nine. And yep. I think it's, you know, just how you're living it out. And if you are on the healthy spectrum versus the unhealthy spectrum. So, um, talking about, you know, our, our husbands and their types of personality types. So I know like people say this with, um, like, I don't believe in horoscopes and people are like, Oh, these two go together. These two go together. Is there, is there something similar like that with the Enneagram types or is it possible for two, two type ones, like two perfectionists to be together? Or is that going to be toxic?
1: (laughs) Right. So I fully believe any combination is great together if they're healthy. And I think any combination is going to be a nightmare if they're unhealthy or even if one person's unhealthy. So I, yeah, from like my research and talking to people and other Enneagram teachers, I don't think there's a perfect combination. It's really like, if you're humble and you're committed to understanding your partner and growing yourself, like you guys are going to be great and can figure anything out. Maybe, maybe the hardest combination would be two type fours just because fours experience such a wide range of emotions. Like they can literally be like depressed and it doesn't freak them out. And then they can be like super happy. But if you have two type fours that are kind of like in a depressive state, fours often need people to pull them out of that. And so I could see how that could be more challenging, but I want to be so careful to say that, that I'm like two healthy fours would be incredible as well. So yeah, I think it's all about your mindset and your, again, your heart position. Like if you guys are both humble and committed to like understanding each other and growth and learning, you're going to be a powerhouse together.
0: Yeah. I, lo- I love that you say that. Cause it's, you know, it's whether you're healthy or or unhealthy any anyone can go together it's such a good point are there any like like any that you can think of that are typically like a really good match I'm trying to think of what good combinations would be like what would complement each other which two numbers
1: yeah um I feel like I'm really trying to think of that I don't know if I have a direct answer to that I really like the
0: peacemaker and the challenger I don't know (laughs) So
1: I feel like every couple though, or every combination, because within each type, it's like, there's a level that's like so unhealthy and healthy or like opposite of each other that they really can balance each other out. Like, yes, mm-hmm. challenger and peacemaker, but there are other types that hate conflict and can bring peace. And there's other types that can be challenging. It's just for different motivations, you know? So I really, gosh. Yeah. I feel like every type has a good balance. Like when you combine any of them, um, We didn't go through this and like, this is deeper as you guys want to like continue your Enneagram journey, but there's three different triads, which is the heart triad the head triad and the gut triad which means the gut triad responds more like with anger just kind of like quick reactive that's eight nines and ones the heart triad is twos threes and fours they lead with their feelings and emotions and then the head triad is five sixes and sevens they love logic they love facts they kind of find security in that so i can see how like a couple within each triad or clearly not all three of them, but like two different triads could really complement each other. So like I'm in the feeling triad, my husband's in the head and he's really taught me how to access like logic and facts while still using emotions. But I used to make like purely emotional decisions, you know, and like, that's a hot mess, but I've taught him how to use his emotions and not just logic. So yeah, I feel like that wasn't a good answer for you. I really just think any combination is going to be awesome together.
0: No, I think that's a great answer because I feel like people do just want like a straightforward like give me the answer. But <laughs> yeah, you, you know, it's just as long as you guys are are healthy or on that healthy end, you know, you can compliment any number. And I love hearing that. It even makes me think of um, like the love languages. I I wouldn't say to necessarily say like put a certain two love language together I mean probably two who like the same would be easier but as long as yeah. you understand the other person's love language mm-hmm. like my husband loves physical touch like that's his love language and that's not my love language at all I prefer you know gifts mm-hmm. and you know if I can give him gifts all day and he's not going to feel loved if I yeah. don't, if I, if I don't show physical touch. So I'll just make you think of Enneagrams too. Like you have to understand your partner, your friends, your, um, your family members, Enneagram type, if you truly want to have that deeper connection with them so right. that you can really Absolutely. connect.
1: Yeah, it's so true.
0: So what are some growth tips that you have for, um, I guess any of them in general, but more specifically the perfectionists?
1: Yeah. Um, okay. So growth tips is kind of backing up what I said earlier about researching, like, the more you understand your type and what's healthy and unhealthy, then that's going to give you practical things to do in the moment. So, like for a type one, having that inner critic where they're super critical of people. Well, maybe someone listening is harder on themselves than other people. Maybe someone else listening is harder on their family members. Someone else is harder on their friends. So, understanding kind of your weak point and like what what really comes up, what your blind spot is, is going to give you strategies and clarity of like, okay, how with my husband can I practice just not being as critical. How with my best friend can I practice communicating what I'm trying to communicate without just sounding so harsh and like holding her to a standard that she can't obtain. Um, But I think for all types, it's educating yourself, learning about it. I I, I, there's just amazing like programs, courses, podcasts out there. Like I can give you guys so many, but I also don't want to overwhelm you. Like Ian Cron, I mentioned his book, the road back to you, but he also has a podcast called typology. He's great. Cause you hear interviews and then you give, you hear him counsel people practically of like, here's what you can do to work on this weakness. My podcast living Enneagram, very similar. I interview people. I also give like strategies of like, here's what you look like in health and on health and what to do. Um, his website and my website both have like courses, like if you want to go deeper, either into finding your type or then figuring out. So what does it look like for me to live in alignment with the gospel? I have a whole course on that. So it depends how deep you guys want to go into it, but educating yourself, whether it be through a podcast, through a book. And then if you want to continue to go deeper, I think it's so powerful to attend workshops or work with coaches or teachers who know what they're talking about and can actually guide you and help you really understand. So what does this look like to apply
0: it to my life? Awesome. So how can our listeners connect with you and follow you?
1: Yeah. Best places, is Ammons.com. Like everything is over there. Links to my podcast, uh, my YouTube channel. Those are my two favorite platforms, just like teaching and educating you. And then you'll find courses over there. I'm also on Instagram at Kali Ammons, but honestly, guys, I love YouTube and podcasts. I'm not as active over there. So check out those places and go binge the podcast. If you're like, wow, this Enneagram stuff sounds interesting. There's so many episodes, just like explaining in phases. So you can kind of ease into it at the pace you want
0: yeah people definitely need to listen to your podcast because I feel like we tried to jam so much information into like one <laughs> episode and we could like still probably keep going for hours and hours so
1: <laughs> yeah there's a lot to it but I feel like we covered some good basics
0: yes definitely so thank you so much Callie for joining me and I'm so excited for everyone to, to listen to this episode
1: thank you so much Miranda
0: Thank you guys so much for listening. I absolutely love talking to Callie and I just love learning more about myself. And I'm sure that because you guys are listening to this podcast that you love to learn more about yourself too. I really like connecting with you all. So please follow me on Instagram at this Is Miranda Lee. And if you love this podcast, leave me a review. I will catch you next week. And remember, you are worthy and you are loved.